Glory in the highest. I love that. Okay, I'm not allergic to bees, so if I get stung, I'll be okay. There's, there's one flying around. That's okay. I got stung in the mouth one time drinking a sundrop. The, uh, the bee wanted my sundrop, and we had a little, it won. So, man. Uh, again, let me, let me invite you to take your copy of God's Word, your Bible, and turn to Psalm 19. Uh, we're continuing to look at Psalms this summer, or our series, Summer in the Psalms. And before I forget, uh, I see a couple of us are wearing our I Love My Shirt, or I Love My Shirt. I love this shirt. Uh, I love my church t-shirts. I have them for sale, if you would like one. Uh, I think we have all the sizes. They're $15. Uh, so if you want one, hadn't got one, or if you've got one, want another one, or if you want five to wear every day of the week, uh, just come see me, and uh, we'll get those for you. Psalm 19, Psalm 19. When I was a student, our youth ministry, uh, we did, and I've talked about this before, we would go caving, we would go hiking, we would do a lot of different, we called it extreme ministry. Uh, and we would hike the Appalachian Trail a lot. You know, a couple times a year, we would always go, for some reason, our youth pastor thought the winter was the best time to hike the Appalachian Trail. Uh, it's cold and Anyway, that's other stories for other sermons. But one night, we had uh, camped out in a clearing, and we had had our devotional, and the youth pastor said, now just look up at the stars. Now, when you are on the Appalachian Trail in the middle of nowhere, there's no lights, there's no uh, cell phones back then. We didn't have them. They didn't exist. So if we got lost, tough. That was just kind of it. They wouldn't have worked up there anyway. So they, but we looked up, and we just stared. Now, when you're up there, you can see faint uh, arms of the Milky Way. You can see that kind of haziness is what I describe it. You can see all these stars and all, I mean, you can just see all of this beautiful part of creation. And for us, as we stare at it, what we see is the glory of God. We see God's fingerprints in, in this star and in that star and you know, in, in the arms that stretch across the Milky Way galaxy. And it's such a beautiful, awe-inspiring thing. And, and our youth pastor read Psalm 19. And what he said was, I want everyone sitting here, he's talking to us, to understand that when David is writing Psalm 19, he's doing the very same thing that we're doing tonight. He's staring up at the stars, the same stars that we were looking at, probably in different locations because different places. But he's seeing the same things that we're seeing, and his response is to write about the glory and the majesty of God. Because what David recognizes and what we'll see is that the creation, all of it from the stars, the sun, the moon, these trees, this grass, all of creation are the opening pages to God's book about himself. It's just such a wonderful thing. And it's fitting that we're looking at Psalm 19 because we're outside in the creation. And our children are going to be looking at outer space and taking this out-of-this-world adventure through Vacation Bible School that's going to have a life-changing impact on them just like Looking up into the stars had a life-changing impact on David. So he opens in these first six verses this way. 
David writes, he's writing to his choir director. Uh, this would have been a song that was sung uh, by his choir once he got it written. It's, it's poetry uh, in the Hebrew language. It looks a lot like poetry. English, not as good. Uh, but this is just a song, a hymn, a praise and worship melody. Uh, and this is what he says. The heavens declare the glory of God. The expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. But their message has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the world. The heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming from his home. It rejoices like an athlete who runs the race. It rises from one end of the heavens, circles to the other end. Nothing is hidden from its heat. These first six, six verses give us a very important insight about who God is, and it's this, that God has revealed his glory through creation. If you're taking notes, that's our first insight, that God has revealed his glory through his creation. If you look at our sun, it is about 93 million miles away from this earth. It would take the space shuttle, the old space shuttle, I don't know what it would take the new stuff, the old space shuttle would take seven months to fly there. That is our star. Our planet circles that star, and that is our solar system. And we are one of many solar systems. We are one of many, many planets that are circling the Milky Way galaxy. The Milky Way galaxy is so big, it'll take a hundred thousand years traveling at the speed of light to go from one end to the other and we are just one galaxy among many many galaxies and, and David would not have had all the information that that we have all he has is his view of the nighttime sky all he has is what he can see we have Telescopes, the Hubble telescope has sent back amazing images of what is out there in space. Uh, the new telescope, the James Webb telescope, has started sending back photos and we're seeing things that we've never seen before. And I don't know about you, I, I spent this week looking at a lot of these pictures. And I looked at what James Webb and had all put back and then I went to the James Webb website. On their website, Here's what they say. The people who are running that telescope are asking a question. It says, among the most fundamental questions in astronomy is, how did the first stars in the galaxy form? That is the answer that they're trying to seek. How did it all form? How did we get here? How did those stars and those galaxies and those planets, how did they get here? And, and, and listen, I, there's, a, there's a lot of worldly answers to that question, but for us as Christians, all we have to do is open our Bibles, and all we have to do is look at it, and we know that it was God who created all of it. 
Listen, I, I think science is an amazing thing. I don't think science and faith are in competition with each other. I think science and faith are compatible with each other because, now listen, listen carefully, God created the science. God created the physics. God created the chemistry. God created biology. God created um, every aspect of this world. He created electrons and neutrons and protons and photons and and anything and everything. I'm, Jennifer's a science teacher. I should have got more information from her about this, but I didn't. But God created every molecule, and he spoke it into existence. And it doesn't matter how much science progress, progresses, they're never going to answer that question of how it all formed because the answer is found in God's word because God's the one that formed it. He's the one who spoke everything into existence. So when they come up with a new discovery and I see these new pictures, I love it because I see what God has done in the universe that he has created. Uh, there was a man named Francis Collins. Uh, Francis Collins, he mapped out the human genome. He, he's the one who discovered all the little intricacies about DNA and he mapped it all out. He is a Christian and here's what he wrote about his discoveries. He said, as a scientist who is a believer, the chance to uncover the incredible intricacies of God's creation is an occasion of worship. To be able to look for the first time in human history at all three billion letters of the human DNA, which I think of as God's language, it gives us just a tiny glimpse into the amazing creative power of God's mind. All of it points to a divine creator, and we know it to be the one true God. Through creation, we are given knowledge of God. That's what he says. We're, we're told that there is an existence of God. We're shown the power of God. The Apostle Paul writes about this in Romans 9. He says, since we... Since what, we can, since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power, his divine nature have clearly been seen in the creation of the world, understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. When you look at this tree and the stars and the planets and when you see these images from outer space, it should, should, should point us to the creator of the universe. And we are without excuse because nature has revealed to us the glory of God our Father. But those are just the opening pages of God's story. Those are just the opening pages of God's book about himself. You see, if all we had was creation, then all we would know is that there was a creator. But David continues to tell us about the creator. He continues, look again. I believe starting in verse 7. The instruction of the Lord is perfect. Renewing one life, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making eyes light up. 
The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, more, uh, they're more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb. We, we watch this zoo show on TV, and they put honey on trees. To see those black bears go after that honey, man, that's, that's good stuff. That's how we should go after the Word of God, because it's sweet as honey dripping from a honeycomb. Anyway, in addition, your servant is warned by them, and in keeping them, there is an abundant reward. So after seeing that God reveals his glory through creation, David gives us the second insight that God reveals his grace through his word. God reveals his grace through his word. And the grace of God is a reflection of the glory of God. Grace simply means unmerited, unearned favor. It means that we receive something or we are offered something that we do not deserve. And without the word of God, without the instruction of the Lord, we would not know about God's grace. We would not know the things that we know about him. And, and David describes it in a very poetic fashion, that it is perfect. God's word is absolutely perfect. It is trustworthy. The advice you can get from God's word is trustworthy. It is right. It is radiant. It is pure. It is lasting. It is reliable. It is sweeter than honey. The word of God is transformative because it renews our life. It gives us wisdom. It makes our heart glad and it makes our eyes light up. David says the law of the Lord will put you on the right path in this life. For those who are trudging through darkness, for those who feel like they're on an endless path searching for answers, going this direction or going this direction or going this direction, never finding full fulfillment in anything, you can find fulfillment in God and God's word. That is God's desire. That is why he gave it to us, so that we could know him uh, not just in a general sense, like we know him through creation, but that we can know him in a very intimate, uh, personal sense. Even the words that David uses to describe God, in the beginning, it, it's the very general term, uh, I believe it's El in the Hebrew. It's just, it's just general knowledge of God. And then when he transitions to God's word, it's more intimate, it's a more personal description of God. God, for, for, for Christians, we call it this. We have the general revelation of creation and the special, specific revelation of his word. And it will change you. David says there is an, an abundant reward if you will follow God's word. It's like a treasure, a treasure of things. So here's my question. Do you treasure God's word? Do you really treasure it? Uh, we like to play Minecraft. I've talked about that before in my house. I found a treasure map in a, a little Minecraft village. Man, you thought that uh, TJ saw that treasure map, made me give it to him. Like, I hit Q, and it flies magically into his hands. I don't know how. And he just was like a kid in a candy shop looking for that. It was a pot. Uh, that's all it was. It was a clay pot. Now, it's Minecraft, so it's not a real clay pot. But it was just a clay. But he, you would have thought he would have found the world. And now the new update has come out, and he's got his little archaeology brush, and he's finding everything. 
because it's fun, it's energetic. That's how we should look at God's word. It's a treasure of information. Uh, do, do we know his promises? Do we know that the love of do we know the love of God that is revealed to us through his word? If you're looking for joy, it's here. If you're looking for truth, it's here. If you're looking for comfort and hope and peace, it is here. Everything that you could ever want in life is in this book, the instructions of the Lord. So what are you doing with it? Do you read it? Do you study it? Do you, do, do you saturate your soul with it? Do you memorize it? Is it a part of your DNA? Or is it sitting on a table collecting dust? And I'm not pointing fingers at anybody here because I'll be honest with you, I struggle with it too. I struggle with the habit of reading. There's some things in here that are hard to read. Uh, we had this conversation in my Sunday school class and I can't remember who it was, but they made it through Leviticus and I was celebrating that they made it through Leviticus. That's hard, but there's good stuff in there. You make it through the Chronicles, I might give you a little gold star because that's hard too. But I know it's hard, but there is truth in it. And I struggle reading it. We all struggle at times reading it. Uh, and we all have this same excuse, I think, is I'm just too busy to read it. I'm very, I'm a to-do list person. I'm very task-driven. And when I get up out of bed, I want to go right to my to-do list. The problem is a lot of times when I get, get up out of bed, or I don't even get up, I roll over, I grab my phone. What I should do, now this is your pastor being open and transparent because I know we struggle too, we all struggle. Instead of opening up the Bible app and doing my daily plan, Lord, especially the last month with the Southern Baptist Convention coming up, the first thing I do, I go to Twitter because I want to catch up on all the SBC gossip. I, I'm just being honest with you. And I want to tell you something. You know what that does to me? That puts me, you can ask Jennifer, it puts me in a foul mood for the rest of the day because I hate the gossip and I hate the politics of our convention. Instead of going to Twitter or Facebook, what I should do is open God's word. Really what I should do, here's some good application. Maybe, maybe my kids can hold me accountable to this. I should leave the phone in another room and put my Bible beside my bed. That way I know when I wake up, I start in God's word. It is important that we treasure it, that we follow the instructions, because it is life changing. And that's what David goes on to describe. It's the glory of God revealed in creation, the grace of God revealed in his word. He goes on, he continues, he says, who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer, my salvation. The third insight is that the, 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 the glory of God, the grace of God leads us, leads David to put his faith in the Lord and leads him to repentance. These last verses are lyrics about repenting, about transforming his life. He is crying out to the Lord to forgive him of his sins. When he sees God's glory, he reads about God's grace. The next thing he does is say, God, forgive me of my unintentional sins. 
You know, those, those mistakes we make that we may not be aware of, those things that, that we do that it's not intentional. We just, we just mess up, and we all mess up. We all fall short of God's glory. David's like, forgive me of those sins. Then he says, cleanse me from my hidden faults, all the things that are hidden from, from other people. God, you know them. I can't hide my sins from you. I can't hide my thoughts from you. I can't hide those actions from you. Cleanse me of them. But then he says this, keep your servant from willful sins. This is what he's saying. He says, God, I know your word. I know what is right and wrong. And there are times when I desire to willfully disobey you. Forgive me and help me to overcome those willful sins. I want you to listen. I want you to listen to me very carefully. What I think this is saying right here, this is important. David is crying out for justification. He wants forgiveness of sins. He wants to be saved from the penalty of his sins. That's what he is. That's what, when we are saved, when we make a decision to follow Jesus, in that instant we are saved from the penalty of our sins. You would understand it as we are going to go to heaven. And that is our reward. But when he says, keep me from my willful sins, he's asking to be sanctified. That is, to be, to, he's asking for the power to overcome the sins and temptation that he deals with each and every day. I believe that there are too many Christians who want the justification without the sanctification. There are too many people who want the reward of heaven without the responsibility of repenting of their sins. And maybe that's just a cultural thing, and maybe that's just how some of us have grown up, but, but we want the reward, but we're not going to let God tell us what to do. We're going to live our life like we've always lived our life. We're going to willfully and continuously and actively sin no matter what. And we're going to think we've got the reward and we can have heaven and live our life any way we want to. But I want you to listen very carefully. And if I can be bold to say this, if you want the reward and if you want the justification and if you want heaven without the responsibility of repenting, then you don't have the reward of heaven. You need to understand that. Salvation is a three-part process. You are saved the instant you decide to follow Jesus from the penalty of sin. But that starts the process of transforming your life and you are freed from the power of sin, which means you have the power to overcome it through the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be quick. But you can overcome your sins, your addictions, your anger, your lying, your complaining, your gossiping. The Lord, if you will let him, can transform you. And the third part is one day when we are in heaven, we are freed and saved from the presence of sin. So David is crying out for all three of those. He says, justify me, cleanse my heart, cleanse me of my hidden sins, and then keep me from willfully sinning. He's saying, God, I know what's right and wrong. Help me not to do what's wrong. Help me not to do the things I know not to do. He's not talking about perfection. He's talking about willfully actively, continuously, knowingly disobeying God's word. 
And again, I, I just want to challenge you. If you want the reward of heaven and you've never repented and turned away from that lifestyle, if you've never given up your sins or at least tried to let God to transform you, then you probably don't have the first. And I'm not one to judge. I will never judge a single person. But my prayer is that the Holy Spirit does the convicting. That the Holy Spirit does the leading. That the Holy Spirit does the transforming in your life. Like David, we all have to cry out for salvation. The Bible says that we all fall short of the glory of God that we've talked about. But it's the grace of God, the mercy of God, where he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Our salvation is Christ alone by faith alone. By grace alone, by the grace of God. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever calls, any, that's anybody. That's not a special group of people. It's not a pre-selected group of people. It's anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. First John, John writes it like this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If you'll just confess it and cry out to God, there's a promise that he will forgive you. Listen, I mess up on the daily. And I cry out to God on the nightly. And God forgives me of those failures. Paul says it like this. But God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love that he has for us, made us alive with Christ. Even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. Paul goes on to say, For you are saved by grace through faith, and it is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not from works so that no one can boast. Listen, God's gift to everybody here was Jesus hanging on a cross. That is how much God loved you. That is how much God desires to have a relationship with you. But you have to respond in faith to his call in your life. And if you're a Christian, listen, I'm, I'm not going to tell you that I'm righteous and I'm not going to tell you that I've never willfully sinned because I have. I'm like Paul. Paul said it best. He goes, you know, I, know, I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things I should do. And that's the end of Romans 7. And then Romans 8 starts, Therefore there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Listen, there's hope for you if you're a Christian and you're struggling with a sin. If you're struggling with giving it to God, there is hope. But you have to give it to the Lord. You have to give it to the Lord. In church, as a gathered believers, we've got to help each other. We've got to love each other and hold each other accountable and encourage each other and stand beside each other and walk this journey together. As we prepare to sing this invitation, I'll invite the band to, to start coming on up. What's the Lord saying to you today? Is the Spirit convicting you of a sin that you've not confessed? You can come pray with me. I'll stand down here. You can pray where you're at. You can pray with someone around you. But confess it. Give it to the Lord. And trust the power of the Lord to help you overcome that sin. And if you're here today and you've never given your life to the Lord, if you've never believed in Jesus, if you've never repented of your sin, if you've never decided to follow, today's the day he's calling you to be adopted into his family. We would love for you to respond.
If, you, if you're following Jesus and you've never been baptized, go public with it. You can come down, we'll pray about it, and we can make that decision to be baptized and get that on the calendar. But however the Lord is leading you, would you respond this morning? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the creation that you've blessed us with. We thank you that we can look at all of your creation and we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you created it, that you exist and that you are powerful and you are sovereign and you are full of majestic and that everything was originally created exactly the way you wanted it. But Father, we know that sin entered the world, and so we're grateful that you gave us your word, that you inspired these men and women to write the scriptures, that you inspired them to share with us who you are and what you've done for us. So Father, convict us of our sins. Help us to repent and turn to you and to follow you. Father, help us to overcome those areas of our life that we willfully sin against you. Help us to recognize the things we don't know we do that's wrong and forgive us and lead us away from those temptations as well. But above all, pour out your spirit. Mold us and shape us into the people you have called and created us to be. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.